and welcome to Molly Movie Club. I'm Anna Rutberg. And I'm Casey Muratori. And our movie this week is Bullets Over Broadway, directed by Woody Allen. This is true. This is not saying much, but it's my favorite Woody Allen film. The reason that's not saying much is because I haven't seen that many of them. Yeah. I've seen maybe like, which (laughs) I've probably seen more Woody Allen films than I have seen films by you know, the average director, because I've seen like four or five, but he's very prolific. So obviously, like the number of Woody Allen films I've seen as a ratio is low. Yeah. I mean, I feel like this is the I've only this is maybe the third Woody Allen film I've seen. We did one previously. The only one I'd seen other than the the two we did for the movie club is Midnight in Paris, which is one of his more recent ones, which was only kind of meh. What I would say is that most Woody Allen movies that I've seen have a similar sort of criticism to them for me. So if you look at Purple Rose of Cairo, yeah. if you look at Midnight in Paris, in general, I tend to like the high concept, but I tend to find that the execution doesn't quite come together for me. Okay. Right? Like, it's it's always worth watching. Like, it's it's way more interesting than most people's movies, there's always like a reason why there's a reason why I watched a Woody Allen movie after I'm done with it. I'm like, okay, I see why I watched that. Like, like I'm glad I watched that. Yeah. But it's rare that it actually comes together in like, oh wow, that all like really worked. And the reason that I think Bullets Over Broadway is my favorite Woody Allen film is because it absolutely does not have that problem. Yeah. This is a movie where everything to me feels like it was totally set up just right. And the effect is really remarkable. It's way better than, for example, The Purple Rose of Cairo Mm -hmm. for me, even though I see them as very similar films. They take like a high concept that is about art and they translate it into a narrative. And The Purple Rose of Cairo, I have to kind of like find my interest in it by saying, oh, that was kind of interesting and that was kind of interesting. But as a whole, it doesn't really play out for me. Bullets Over Broadway is the exact opposite. It plays out perfectly. I think I, I, I totally agree. Like, I love The Purple Rose of Cairo, but it's it's way more for the sort of conceptual ideas in it than mm-hmm. it is, like, necessarily the, the exact execution of it. This movie, it just works mm-hmm. so well in every way. Yes. it's It manages to talk about art and artists in such a such a unique way and such a true way, mm-hmm. uh, I, you know, I think Woody Allen, Woody Allen must have been interested in this. He must have been interested in the artistic process and creativity because he's made multiple movies about it. Well, I think one of the he's I said he was prolific. I think one of the side effects of that is he's probably interested in a lot of things. He has a lot of movies that aren't about that. Sure. But just when you make this many movies, mm-hmm. you know, you're going to make some about yeah, the, about making movies because you're that into it, obviously, yeah. right? So it makes sense. But I think this th- this movie captures so well what actual like what being an artist is and what it's not. Yes, the people who want to be an artist, right? The people like the main character in this movie, whose name I can't remember. David Shane is that the character? You're talking about John Cusack? Yeah, yeah, yeah. David David, David Shane. Shane. You know, he has this idea in his head about what being an artist is, right? And they Mm -hmm. have all these intellectual sort of conversations about what being an artist is, right? But when it actually comes down to, like, making the thing, he has no... It's all about the the social aspects of being an artist, right? He's so easily swayed by other people's 
thoughts and opinions when he thinks that they're better than him or smarter than him or more talented than him, right? He's so easily just like manipulated and pulled around because he doesn't actually have any sort of creative vision. He just wants that, that like clout. Well, I wouldn't necessarily say that. I mean, I agree that that's part of it, but I think that the movie kind of gets the whole package in a way, which is that there's an innate sort of uh, mental process in art there's a there's i think if you took anybody who was a great artist in anything you would find that there are these like personality traits and behavior patterns that are happening that make that person able to do what they do mm-hmm. and when somebody doesn't have those and they're looking at it from the outside which are like your you know your professors or your you know like kind of wannabe people like is like John Cusack plays in Mm -hmm. this movie. They're looking at the results of that and they're trying almost like a cargo cult. They're trying to do the things they think are happening there, but those aren't the real things. Right. Right. Yeah. And so what's so great about this movie is they just let that happen. They're just like, what if we just have two characters, one of whom is just a natural artist and one of whom is simply not. Right. Right. And we just let it play out. Right. We let it we we create this sort of perfect structure to show how each of them responds to the actual act of making a play. And it's perfect because they got everything right. Like every last little thing they could get right about that. They did. The fact that a true artist doesn't have to be educated, Mm -hmm. doesn't have to be erudite, doesn't have to be refined. All of those things are New York scene trappings of an artist that have nothing to do with whether you're really going to be a brilliant playwright, right? It makes me think of the Ratatouille thing of like, not everyone can be a great artist, but a great artist can come from anywhere, right? It's, it's, it's sort of Ratatouille. It's actually, there's a lot of like Ratatouille in it where it's like, you basically have the one, the playwright being controlled by the, you know, Mm -hmm. the other thing I love too, is there's like John Cusack's character when his girlfriend, you know, he, at the end, he like catches his girlfriend with the uh, the other Rob artist Reiner. friend, and they're like, "Oh, you know, Sheldon you create, Flender. You know, you what's his, your... that his name? Yeah, Sheldon, like... Sheldon Flenders. No, uh, what's his name? His name is Flender, but I can't remember his first. I name. I don't remember. Okay, uh, but there was like, you know, like artists create their own moral universe or whatever, right? And at around the same time, that's uh, when Cheech kills Olive, right? And so you're like both pe- both people are doing like really morally bad things. I mean, obviously, killing is like on another level. But the thing I loved is I was like, in the case of the wannabe sort of artists, it's like they're using the art to like kind of justify their bad behavior. But Cheech is doing the opposite. He's like doing his bad behavior to justify the art. Yeah. It, the the key thing in Cheech's character is that it's visceral, which I think is which to me is what's true about things. People who are good at things. It's visceral. Yeah. To him. It's not really a question of what I mean, that phrase, the artist makes their own moral universe actually is kind of a joke when Flender says it, when Rob Reiner says it. But it's actually true in Cheech's case. He's like the my world is that I it upsets me viscerally to see the imperfect play if I know it could be perfect. That's just 
what it's like for him sitting in the back row of this theater every week and seeing like the total garbage occur. It viscerally upsets him. He's like, that's not the way it would happen. Something only an artist would say, Mm -hmm. right? That's not the way it would happen. Because what does that really mean? It means that in his head, he can see the right play just naturally. It's like coming to him and he's seeing the actual play that he's witnessing and they're not the same. And he's like, that's unacceptable. Right. It's unacceptable Mm -hmm. to me. Right. And so when it comes to the fact that it's like, well, there's an actress in the play who we can't fire and she's not good enough. And I know that then she has to die. Like, that's the only thing. That's just that's what's required to make this play what it is. And saying the artist creates his own moral universe or whatever is exactly that. It's saying that is how their brain works. Their brain doesn't work on the same set of rules Mm -hmm. that someone else's brain works on because to them the art is more important than humanity well it's more important than when it says which would you rather save he says the complete works of shakespeare or some anonymous human being that's what's happening in cheech's head he's like who cares who cares about her she was just some random person i don't care if she's dead this play will last forever it's right and and so i just feel like it's so amazing because they're like you can't make that argument. When Flender says it, it just sounds stupid. Right. But when you see it, it's like, it all makes sense. You're like, oh, I get I get this guy now. I get yeah. it. Right? Yeah. Well, and, and I just love that kind of contrasted with the sort of lack of artistic conviction of the other characters. They have none. For, for the wannabe artists, it's really more about being perceived as an artist than it is about the art itself. Well, and they're going to be more normal, too, right? In other words, they're they're not going to – it's not going to be Van Gogh cutting off his ear or whatever, right? It's mm-hmm. like they're going to be a more normal person, mm-hmm. presumably, because they are still thinking about things like morals that normal people have, just the standard way that most humans operate. Yes, yes. Would never consider killing someone for a better work of art. It's just not – that's just not how someone who isn't completely like has this other kind of brain that's just completely warped into thinking about this thing that they're making mm-hmm. where everything else can just fall away. It's mm-hmm. like it's similar to like the people who are like, you know, they the painter who forgets to eat. Right. Because they're like focused on making this thing. And so, you know, they managed to do that in this movie so well. They just kind of created this character. Well, two characters, really, Mm -hmm. who both completely embody the opposite takes of art, like art as a lifestyle or whatever, which is not really art. And then art as like actually a person who's just has full conviction in needing to make this thing. And the interplay between them is just fantastic because I think the other thing this movie does really well is it creates a relationship between them. It doesn't just cast them as like opposite people or people who don't know each other or antagonists. They're actually working together to make this play and they do have a bit of a falling out over the murder. But even that doesn't really ruin their relationship Not quite. Even up to the very end when Cheech is dying, he's like telling David Shane a better ending Mm -hmm. to the the play. And David Shane is like, that's a really good idea, right? So it never really, the bond between them never really breaks even throughout all of this ridiculous stuff. One of the nice aspects of this movie is it doesn't just ride on that. Right. They added all this other great fun stuff to the movie to make it interesting everywhere so Mm -hmm. that you're not just supposed to be here for the conceptual like 
thing. You're, you right. know, the whole thing is fun. But what I wanted to say is they also did some really neat things, I think, with the way you see Cheech doing the writing on this play. Mm-hmm. Chaz Palminteri is the actor. It's hard to know whether we should talk about people's names or whatever, but anyway, Cheech. Whoever. Not Mr. Cheech, just Cheech. <laughs> so I really liked the fact that it it's this really nice sort of slow burn with his character. At first, he's just really upset that he has to sit in this theater because he doesn't want to do it. Mm-hmm. Then he has to start reading the, scri- the script and he's hearing it every week and he has to read the script and practice it with Olive to learn her lines, mm-hmm. right? And right from the beginning, he's like reading the lines. He's like, it does, he says, it don't say ha, right? Mm-hmm. He's like, you're not allowed to just add something to the, scre- the script, right? And I liked how they right off the bat, it's like he's kind of like treating this as more important than you think he will. And it's kind of this nice little entree. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Then they slowly start adding this kind of thing where, like, he's he has this kind of outburst where he's like, I have to sit here, like, listening to this crap every day. He uses the phrase, it stinks on hot ice, which I love. <laughs> I don't even know. I don't know what that means. But it cracks me up. Anyway, and he starts to kind of just have this, like, breakdown where he's like, I can't take it anymore. Yeah. So then eventually he's just like, the, he, you know, that shouldn't happen. He literally says that. It's like, she, he shouldn't leave the guy. It's like afterwards when the Tennessee, he should go after her. Like, that's how it would happen. And everyone's like, that's a pretty good idea, right? So they go from that really great entree and him starting to contribute to the play mm-hmm. to another thing which I thought was really clever, which is to show how intuitive he is about these things. At one point, David Shane doesn't understand one of the changes that he wants to make because uh, Cheech says something like, I, how, I can't remember. It's like, yeah, it's like she's it's like she, I don't believe she really loves the guy at first or mm-hmm, something like mm-hmm. that, he says. Yeah. And he goes kind of through this ex- explanation that she should be it should change at some point in the play. And then David Shane says, well, how would the audience know that Sylvia Poston is feeling guilty or some, about that? She says something like that. Uh-huh. And Cheech, like, thinks for a minute and he goes, like, well, maybe we could just kind of have her say some things to the audience uh, about that so we kind of know what she's thinking at that point, right? Mm-hmm. And he says something like, it's a play. It don't have to be real. It just has to work, right? And it was this kind of really nice thing of like, hey, he just, it, he's just intuitive. He's like, well, there's a problem. Let's try solving it this way, which is exactly what a great playwright would do. And yeah. so I just loved all of that. It, it, they really, I mean, probably because, you know, Woody Allen is a great writer and he knows all this stuff uh, and maybe his co-writer too. Obviously, there were two two writers on this and the other one is has done a bunch of stuff too but not a name you would recognize Mm -hmm. since they're writers they kind of know this stuff and they put it in really well so anyway i just wanted to talk about that part i definitely think you get the feeling from this movie that it was written by people who understand the actual artistic process yes which i think is great because it's like the sort of the process of david like what his his imaginings about what an artist is and what they do is very much in line with like what non-artists think artists are and do Right. His ideas of like making art are very different than what it actually is like. And what Cheech Cheech does is very much like what actual art making is. Right. 
maybe if you're just like throwing paint at a wall, it's more like what David is talking about. But right. if you're talking about like narrative story stuff, it, like it feels like a fairly rigid process, right? It doesn't actually feel like this sort of like, oh, well, you know, what do I feel inside, right? It, right, it's right, like, right. That's actually not at all what, what sitting down and, and like making a story work is. Um, and I love that about this because so many things, I think like so many times you see like art or artists portrayed in in stories, it's very much like kind of the the image that, you know, David has of artists in this movie, right? Yes, exactly. And so I love seeing the Cheech character actually f- like feel like representing what what the creative process feels like. And David Shane's character represents exactly what it doesn't feel like, right? It's like this kind of idea that you study a bunch of things and... He's like, uh, I've read all the books on playwriting. Yeah, yeah. it's like, that's not going to do it. Like, you know, those things can be helpful, uh, but it's it's if it wasn't there to begin with, it's not going to be there after, right? Because mm-hmm. it's kind of this more innate thing where it's this behavior of fixating on the the art that ends up allowing you to actually produce the new thing and the interesting thing, the thing that someone hasn't seen before. Whereas the studying what other people have done will only tell you how to emulate someone else's art, which you know, while it's still technically art, it's not the kind of art that people who aspire to the art lifestyle are talking about. Like, copying is not that kind of art, mm-hmm. right? Right. And so Cheech is like the true artist. He's the one who's going to come up with something totally new eventually, right? Like, that's because he's just doing his thing and doing it his way. He's never done this before, right? Yeah. He he doesn't have the background. He He doesn't have the knowledge, yet his... Uh, his instinct for it is is so much better than yeah. David's. It's yeah. great. Yeah. So anyway, uh, moving on like to the rest of the people, uh, they do. First of all, it's an amazing cast. Everybody is so like great at doing yeah. their because basically the rest of the people, in a way, Cheech and David are also caricatures sort of like they're definitely like embodying these two ideas about what art is yes but they're a little both of them are a little more toned down everyone else in this movie is a total caricature like (laughs) the mob boss and the mole the uh the the like werner purcell like the leading man and the leading lady they're all just so fantastically like they, they like, embody their own kind of cliche in this really great way that is so enjoyable because every time you need sort of – every time that the narrative needs to take a break from the David Cheech sort of main storyline, you can put any two of these yeah. characters together and watch their, like, cliches collide <laughs> in a delightful way. They're like, all hilarious. They're all so funny. Yeah, and they ma- they made each pairing be interesting. So they made like Helen Sinclair not like a uh, Tracy Ullman's dog, right? Which is and and those two are antagonistic at first because Helen Sinclair doesn't like the fact that her character is not the like more attractive well, one. That her right? her character's husband is leaving her for exactly the other lady. Yeah. So th- so they have it out to, all the time. They have these little interactions where they you know Helen gets mad at her and she gets upset and all these other things. They have the Werner Purcell's character and Ro uh, sorry uh, Olive having a uh, kind of like an affair, which. Interplays great with his eating thing that he does. Oh my he- god, the eating! I think the Warner Purcell eating thing has yes. got to be 
one of the best parts of this movie. It's so the, good. The, one of the best shots in this movie is like during a scene in the play. Suddenly, the camera just zooms in on the doorway, and Warner Purcell yeah. walks in, and he's like so much fatter yeah. than he's been. <laughs> and it's just like the camera work of that is it, it's so good. Like it's so funny. It's hysterical, and the little like when they're about to sort of like. He and Olive are about to make out <laughs> yeah. for the first time, and he goes like, "Before we start," and he pulls out like a chicken leg. It's so good when he's like sticking all the food in his pockets, and he grabs like the entire Swiss roll Swiss thing roll? and wraps it in his newspaper and kind of tucks it. It's a script. He puts it in his script. He, in he his like script. folds the script up around the Swiss roll. <laughs> And then, so then they get him and Tracy Ullman interacting because he starts stealing Mr. Woofy's dog yummies, (laughs) right? Mr. Woofer's dog yummies. There's so many great, like, little cross work things they do there. And these are just there to, again, make the scenes engaging because otherwise it would be kind of this very heady thing about art and artists. And here they create this great levity by having these larger-than-life theater characters who are all just hilarious and they get them interacting in all these hilarious crossways. I think that was the thing that didn't work with the Purple Rose of Cairo, if I remember correctly, is like the actual scenes weren't always that entertaining. This movie does not have that problem. It's super funny and entertaining throughout the entire thing. Um, Like the... the (laughs) David's interactions with the uh, the I can't think of her, the lead actress there Helen Sinclair <laughs> Helen yeah, Sinclair yeah. I I can't think of the name of the actress playing her but um, I never remember her name I, I've seen her in a ton of stuff I guess she's super familiar but I just can't think of her name she she is hilarious she she plays that sort of dramatic overacting thing so well yes it's so good like when she when she comes out on stage the first time and she's like giving that that speech yes. it's just it's so good well they always punchline it too like every time she goes into one of her like really elaborate flowery you know speeches yeah. it's always punctuated by something kind of going wrong not going wrong but like it gets interrupted in a funny way right yeah where she does that whole whole like there's ophelia yeah yeah clytemnestra <laughs> and Uncle each performance, a birth, each curtain, a death. And it's like, woof, he's like, is that a mutt? You know, they're they're really good dynamic changes. Yeah, and yeah. they do that with David Shane all the time because she goes into one of these long things and then he tries to respond. Don't speak. He's like, don't, don't speak. speak. No, don't no, speak. don't speak. And at first she kind of does it in like a loving way. But then later it's like this really, her performance is fantastic. Yeah. It's like this really like. She's actually now just actively aggravated that he's speaking. Like, no, really, like, I need you to stop talking because I don't want to hear it. <laughs> it's so good. Cheech says don't speak as well, right? Before, At the very end. Yeah. yeah, yeah. Which I can't, I, was, I, I can't quite figure out what, you know, like, why, why he said that, like, what that's meant to be. Do you know what I mean? Because it's like, to have him say that. I mean, I guess it's just that, like, David talks to, David needs to learn to shut up, kind of. I don't really know. I've never quite understood that if it was just supposed to be a little tongue-in-cheek thing or if there's more to it than that. Yeah. But, yeah, I have no idea why he says that. I really don't. Uh, yeah, anyway, uh, all of the side characters are genuinely uh, hilarious. I also like the mob boss. Yeah. Like, all the things he yells on the phone and stuff in the background is like, burn it down, I said. I want it to look like arson, <laughs> which is just, it's like a, one of those double things, like, I want it to look like arson. <laughs> so it's like, okay. 
Uh, so yeah, everyone, everyone is just fun in this thing. The even the um, Harvey Firestein yeah. as an agent, he's so briefly in like, it. But yes, you are definitely Helen Sinclair. <laughs> you know, all of those kind of it's perfect role for him. Yes, uh, the the producer is great. I, yeah, everybody is great. You know yeah. the other the other thing I really like about this movie is it. The actual uh, like production design of it is so good. Like it, it looks feels lovely. it feels timeless. Mm-hmm. Uh, because it, it's a period drama. It's it, right. It's like it's not really drama comedy. Whatever. It's a. It's like it's taking place in the 1920s. Yeah. And it feels like it is. Uh, it's really well done and super immersive in that way. To the point where I like when I first saw this, I was like, I didn't even know. My brain was like having a hard time wrapping around like when this was even made so like, this feels like a really old movie but it's not it's like from the 90s but it just it's yes. it's so good at being a set in the 1920s that it, it you kind of really get lost in that world you never notice you no. never notice it's just like oh yeah okay yeah and people's and the way the, i think the performance is like a big part of that too like the the way that helen sinclair acts mm-hmm. right mm-hmm. it feels very much in the you know like of that time and uh, and the and the way the women's like some of the women like Olive and the um, the lady with the dog right they have this kind of like nasally like <laughs> kind of yes, voice which yes. you also think of very much with that time period. Uh, it's just it's so well done. I liked too how they even got a dig at the critics at the end when the play is not supposed to have any gunshots in it. Oh yeah, <laughs> but, but like they kind of got in this nice dig at critics where. The critics, because obviously they just don't have any idea, like they're just reviewing stuff and they're (laughs) making stuff up. If you've ever read like a New York Times play review, it's just mostly full of shit. Like it's like it's it's trying to be it's trying to read more into things than is warranted a lot of times and that sort of thing. And I I loved that they got in that little jab where it's like, of course – of course, if there is a backstage shooting, a reviewer will just create this artistic interpretation out of it because they're kind of like that kind of person, right? right? Who just like takes anything they noticed in the play and then starts to try and tell you that that's what the play was about, even if like that wasn't in the play yeah. <laughs> to begin with, right? Yeah. So I liked that. Uh, and I also, I enjoyed like the the little like Greenwich Village kind of like cuts that they would do with with Flender, mm-hmm. your Rob Reiner's mm-hmm. kind of character there saying all the ridiculous stuff uh about the Shakespeare plays and about I I my plays are written specifically to go unproduced. Yeah, right? he's like how many plays he's written a ton of plays and yeah. none of them have been produced and he's yeah. like he's like proud of that. Like yeah. that's good. Yeah. Uh, David Chang calls him. Uh, it says that the 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 fact that he's a genius is proved by the fact that both regular people and uh, what was it? The other like and intellectuals find your work completely inscrutable, right? Yeah, which is kind of <laughs> hilarious because I think you know ultimately what the movie kind of shows is that you know Cheech, who I mean maybe maybe he's not he's not meant to be portrayed as a genius or something, but but he he well maybe a little bit he's meant to be portrayed certainly as like a true artist, a natural, a natural is the way to say it, but right? he. His work is it's it's it works because it is understood. Like he specifically mm-hmm. is like this isn't how people talk. Yes. Right? And people need to people need to understand it to connect with it, right? Like he he gets why 
he gets that connection is actually the, the thing that makes the art good, right? Whereas I think the sort of perspective of, of some of the more, like, intellectual, you know, wannabe artist types is that, like, no, it's the opposite, right? Like, the less accessible your art is, the better it is, right? Um, yes. Which I suppose it's like that, look, that's two different philosophies on art. Um, But it's like, you know... Well, it's it's. I think, again, to one of the reasons that I probably like this movie so much is it agrees with me, right? Yes, it, exactly. There's one way exactly. to say it. So there are lots of philosophies that people could have on art, and this one is mine, right? Yes, it, I totally is agree. one way to say it. I totally agree. Um, which is that that artists who actually are any good are about process. They're the, to them, their life is about getting up every day and working on this thing. Yes. That's that's what art is to them. Yes. They're, they're not thinking, how do I make great art? They're thinking, I have so much work to do on this play when they get up in the morning, and I got to go write the new scenes because I realized there was a better way to do X, yes. right? Yes. They're, they're not thinking, like, how, what, how do I make something that a critic would love or how do I make something intellectual or how will I be known as well as Chekhov. They're just thinking, I got to fix this thing or exactly. I got to improve this part or, you know, that that's what their life is like. And so, you know, I loved how that was embodied. And she, she doesn't care about that. He has a particular idea about what it means for this play to be finished and right. right. And he is just trying to get there. And he's doing whatever it takes, including killing someone, yeah. to get it there. That feels like art to me. That yes. feels like the true statement about art to me that makes sense to me. Yes. And the other characters, like Flender, like David Shane, or Helen Sinclair, their thoughts about art really aren't that way. They're not recognizable to me. They're the kind that I have some disdain for when I think about someone like a New York play critic, where I'm just like, what the hell with these people, right? Like, no, I, I totally so, agree. I totally agree. Yeah. I'm very much the same way. Uh, I've never... <laughs> You know, I've always kind of struggled with fine art and that kind of thing right. for that same reason where it's just like, you know, you know, it's just like yeah. I'm trying to judge the quality of a thing or, or you know, yeah, it just, I'm an, <laughs> I'm an, I'm a person who draws for a living, right? I am right. an artist, but I have, I cannot relate at all to like a fine art painter. Not not all. I, I, that's not the right word, but like, you know what I mean? Like, I cannot relate at all to the way I see artists portrayed in in media so often. Like, I haven't I can't relate at all. And like, it's so nice to actually like. See something that I sort of relate to. I mean, I obviously wouldn't kill someone, <laughs> but <laughs> or would you? But it's like I think it, it's more about is this going to become a true crime podcast? Oh! Is this suddenly turning into a true crime podcast? Oh, my God. No, it's just more it's more about like like you said the process. It's like what's the working so it's the working class artist. So if I you know in much the same way that there's like aristocracy and working class in a political sense, you could argue that that was true of the concept of an artist. There's such a thing as an aristocrat artist and that's someone who like puts up a white canvas and says that this is a statement on the whatever mm -hmm. right because it's just kind of arbitrary conceptual and obviously didn't wasn't really it's, something it, that someone 
was like really driving towards. Well, it's like it, it absolutely <clears throat> failed. Like m- much of that sort of art f- absolutely fails to communicate the things that they are claiming it communicates. And then there's the working class v- version, which is like someone who's like really trying to make a painting that when you look at it, it has the effect on the person who's doing it without having to tell them some high concept thing or without them having to contextualize it into a movement or any of these other things. They just go like, oh, yeah, I looked at that painting and I felt something. Exactly. Right? Exactly. And I feel like this movie is the best encapsulation of that dichotomy that I can possibly imagine. Mm-hmm. Cheech is the working class artist. He's like, I want to make this play something that the audience experiences this thing when yeah. they watch it. And they don't have to be told what it's about. And they don't have to be told that it's important. And they don't have to hear dialogue reminiscent of some other playwright or something that some literary critic is going to find interesting. No. I'm trying to make this experience when you go into the theater and that you will have it as a regular person experiencing this thing. Mm -hmm. And to me, that's perfect. Yeah. It's just perfect. No, I totally agree. And I I think it's like... It's true that it's not necessarily the only philosophy it's not the only way you could someone could think about art and obviously other people don't there's exactly there's entire galleries most of them dedicated to the white canvas or whatever right exactly so obviously there's multiple philosophies right yeah um but i agree like i think we have a very similar philosophy when it comes to that and uh and this this is like it pretty much encapsulates that. I love the ending too. Like it's a, it's a just a, such a perfect ending where David's like, I give up. Like he's like, yes. I'm not. This is not who I am. Like I, I've learned that. He's like, basically, like I'm going to become a normal person. Like let's go, let's get married, let's have kids, let's just be normal people. And because this, this is not actually like I'm not cut out for this. Which I, I loved because yes. you know it was it almost makes him kind of heroic in this way as a protagonist because. Rather than embrace the fact that now he could just kind of fake it because he's got a hit play. Nobody knows that Cheech wrote it. And he could just kind of like coast on that reputation, which a lot of artists Especially could do. Especially since, right? since so many of the critics and stuff, like, because now he's supposed to be this genius. Everything he makes from now on, a certain subset of people will just be like, this is a genius work of or art. Or at least talked about because like, yeah. if this isn't as good as his previous work. He'll still have this reputation. Yeah. People will look at his stuff and he'll be a name. Yeah. He'll be one of those fixtures, right? Yeah. And he decides not to do that because it, in a way, I guess the reason that I would say it's kind of heroic is because he decides that actually he did get to see for the first time what true art was, like what a true artist does. Mm -hmm. And he doesn't want to be a fake artist, right? Like he he decides that that's not right because he has the option and decides not to. He's like, oh, okay, I get it. I realize that I'm never going to be able to do that. And I didn't in my heart – I didn't actually really want to be a fake artist. That's I wanted not... to be a real artist. Yeah. And so when I ended up having the option to become a fake artist, but I finally saw what real art was, I decided I didn't want to do that. I'm going to be a genuine person and I'm going to just go back to a normal life because I don't have that. That whatever Cheech had, I don't. Mm-hmm. Right? Yeah, there's there's like a really nice sort of like earnestness to it or something where he or, – or like – He's like a decent person, right? Yeah. Like he's just he a decent He turns it around. He, yeah. He, he, yeah, he turns it around. 
And I think that's part of, like, throughout the movie, he has so little confidence, right? I think that's sort of the mm-hmm. the thing he struggles with, which is, I think, I think a big part of, of being an artist is having confidence in in your own sort of instincts, right? And he doesn't have that at all. He's so easily swayed by what other people think. He's constantly changing it mm-hmm. just to kind of, like, please other people, right? He's changing stuff to please Helen. He's, he, you know, it's just, uh, he doesn't actually have that sort of confidence in in what he's actually done. It's a lack of vision, right? He's yes. not driving towards this thing that he can see and that he knows what it is, right? It's more just like I don't know. I'm trying to make a play, but he's trying <laughs> abstractly, to be... right? Like, but I think he's, so. He's so ultimately... when people say things, maybe they're I don't know. Are they right or wrong? I don't have an idea for where it's going, so I can't evaluate them. But right? I think ultimately, like he was wanting to be liked and appreciated yes. for being an artist. Yes, and I think he realized that that was you know, like he he wasn't an actual artist. And that there was, he didn't want to lie. Like, he didn't want to, yeah. No, it's it's it, it's true that it feels like a happy ending, and it also, yeah, it feels like, it leaves the character with, like, a, you don't, you don't dislike him, right? Um, no, no. Oh, no, is there another? There is. So Shit. we finally got the two-moth day. Because we know I killed one, so this is not the same. That might be the same one from before, because it looks like it's over where you. That's possible, yes. Oh, there it is, yeah. Right above the trap. I wonder if it's the weather that it's getting warmer. Season. Anyway, uh, is there anything else to talk about here? So I don't know if there's anything else specifically to talk about. I mean, I think that pretty much covers how, you know, how this movie works and works very well. The structure of the movie overall is specifically like, designed to have all of these things happen to illustrate that difference in a very convincing and very streamlined way. So you don't almost don't even notice it happening. Yeah. You're just kind of watching it and like all of these things happen and then you get to the end and you're like, holy crap, they like completely elaborated this difference without me really ever even noticing that you were doing it, right? You know what one of the um, funny things is too is like Cheech ends up being like a main character, right? You don't know that at first. And yeah. he's not even introduced until probably like half an hour in. Yeah. And at first he's just this thuggish like kind of bodyguard guy mm-hmm. with mob guy. You don't think he's going to matter at all, really. Uh it which is so it's so interesting. It's so unusual cuz normally like main characters are introduced pretty early, right? Mm-hmm. Um So I remember the first time I saw this movie, because it's the second time I've seen it, the first time I was, like, totally caught off guard by the fact that he started becoming, like, a main character. Mm -hmm. It's so unusual. Well, and I think that's a great design for this because that's what actually happens in the story, too. Meaning no one's expecting him to play a role in the creation of this play, and he ends up playing the most important role. And that's kind of true of the movie, too. Yeah. At the beginning, you would not expect his character to play an important role in the movie, but he ends up being the linchpin of the movie. And so I feel like it's both, right? It works so well uh, in that the, the two things mirror each other almost precisely. Mm-hmm. So, yeah. It's great. Um, I, one thing I am curious about... So my knowledge of 
theater is good, but not encyclopedic. I wonder how many of the following things occur in this movie because I noticed one of them and I don't know if there are more. Okay. At one point, Olive's character says, I was in a chorus line, meaning the literal idea of backup dancers. And she says, like, tits and ass, tits and ass, that's all anyone ever wants. Mm -hmm. Now, there's a musical called A Chorus Line, Mm -hmm. which has a number called Tits and Ass about that exact concept. But that isn't wasn't made for another 40 years, 30 years Mm. after this takes place. So she's not referring to that, but the authors of this clearly were like they were sort of putting in a reference to a future play by a character who doesn't know that play saying it with no reference to the play, just right in that way. And I didn't really notice any other specific things of that, but there might be more. And so I'm kind of curious about that. And I almost tempted to look up if anyone has really done that analysis, because that one kind of jumped out at me, uh, this particular viewing. I don't think I'd ever really noticed it. And this time I was like, oh, that's interesting. I I wonder how many often they did that. I feel like that's always the case with, because Woody Allen movies are always so dense with... They have a lot in them, yeah. um, ...dialogue. Uh, So... I could imagine that there's like stuff in there that you just don't pick up on because you don't really know what it's referencing or you miss it because people are talking fast. Um, I could totally believe that. Yeah. I had nothing else. You're looking at me like I had something else. I didn't. I just wanted to mention that one last thing. I think we've covered everything else. Maybe I'm forgetting something important. I mean, I don't know. It's, I think it's a great movie. Uh, it's, it's so it's so original to I love like if you just think about the concept of it it's so creative and good it's like it's it's just I love brilliant. the idea I it's, love the idea it's just I, I I do think I have a th- I really like I mean I I should see more Woody Allen movies because I love the ideas they're so up my alley I feel like um it it always just has a lot more creativity in it yeah. A Woody Allen movie does than you know what we're used to seeing. So I, I do think that's really just refreshing because you always come away well. And in some ways, I guess we had that same uh, opinion of David Lynch, the two that we saw. Yeah, where it's like, look, whether you like the thing or not, or whether you think it's fun to watch or not, it just there's a lot of new stuff in there. Like mm-hmm. you just kind of have a nice set of things to see or think about afterwards, yeah. and it's like. <clears throat> You get something for the price of admission mm-hmm. <laughs> I just one feel, way or another. I feel like more and more it's like we don't get that any no. anymore. It's not that it doesn't happen sometimes, I think, but it's just... Well, David Shane is now who's writing your movies, not Cheech. I mean, that's yeah. kind of what that is. It's like they're just not having that sort of inherent like drive towards a particular vision that they see. That's not what you're getting in most movies you know Mm -hmm. it's it's very few and far between Mm -hmm. when that is happening so i think that's (laughs) this movie illustrates the problem yeah kind of (laughs) with modern movies just fine Mm -hmm. yeah i just miss i miss having a lot of like creative creative original ideas in in films it's not that it doesn't happen anymore it just feels like it doesn't happen much yeah Uh, i don't know i miss it 
Me too. But it's a great movie. It's super fun. Yep. And uh, it's a it's a Casey picks. That's right. It's a it's a, a thumbs up for Casey. Yep. Yep. Next week is going to be a thumbs down for Casey, which actually is going to be super interesting. This is going to be Spider Man into the Spider Verse, which I I've only seen once. Saw it in the theater. I don't remember hating it. I don't remember like a lot of people think it's really really good. I also don't remember thinking it was really really good. But I'm very curious to hear your uh, your well, negative reaction. Yeah, I picked that one because uh, I felt like it was a good one to talk about in addition to Lightyear because they both have the same general screenwriting problems, but it's not so into the Spider Verse is one that was more enjoyed by people. Meaning, you know, it. it from what we what I could tell anyway, nobody came out of the theater from Lightyear and said, oh, that was a lot of fun or I enjoyed that. Uh, pretty much everyone was like, that was lousy. Yeah. Whereas Into the Spider-Verse, I think, has roughly the same, if not quite as bad, but very close to as bad screenwriting problems as Lightyear. But they managed to paper over them, I guess, in ways that made people not mind I've as seen, much. And so I still want to talk about I've it. I've seen a fair number of people online actually saying like talking about why they think this the story is so good and works so well in spider-verse and so i think yeah and i think that's completely crazy well, that's so why that's I why hear, i wanted to talk about yeah, it yeah like that's why I'm, I'm really curious to hear your uh your thoughts on that it's kind of a shame we're bashing two animated movies but you know it's just the way it worked out there's plenty of non-animated movies you could bash too but have we covered an animated movie well with klaus and we really liked it yeah um, we haven't done a lot of animation on the movie club yeah. yet. We should get some more in there, I think. Yeah. Maybe, um, well, whatever. I don't know what theme is next month. Maybe there'll be an animated movie in there. I don't know. Well, I'll post a poll. Okay. Uh, actually, that'll probably be coming up soon. Okay. We'll be posting a poll where you guys can select between, you know, I'll, I just randomly go to the movie picking mega thread. I'll select at random basically like five or so different monthly themes, and then you guys can vote on which one you'd like to watch. Sounds so that'll good. go up that'll go up fairly soon. Uh, and if you have any ideas uh I know that lots of you guys have have still been posting in there but uh yeah, feel free to post in the the movie club mega thread, the Molly <laughs> the movie picking mega thread. Feel free to post in the mega thread and uh we'll add your suggestions to the list. So yeah. I guess that's it, right? That's it. We'll see you back here next week for Spider-Man Into the Spider-Verse. Are you sure that's the title? No. Okay. It's something, 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 something like verse. It's the one that came out, like, I don't know, like five years ago or yeah. something. There's a new one coming out, which is, is different. It's like across the Spider-Verse. Yeah, right? like, it's too so close. The name is way good. too close. So this is the original one. Yes. And we will be covering it next week. All right. Sounds good. Take See... it easy, everybody. Say it again. What am I supposed to say? Just take. I interrupted you, so. Take it easy, everybody. Bye. I just did, I didn't want to have like